Welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Sam Shaheen, a senior editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, I sit down with Blister's managing editor, Luke Kappa, to debrief our last few days exploring the show floor at this year's outdoor retailer summer market. As always, outdoor retailer didn't disappoint, and there are tons of cool new products to talk about, including some mind-boggling new technology, inventive sustainability stories, and some wacky trends as well. Let's get to it. Well, uh, Luke and I are here in Denver. Just got off the show floor at Outdoor Retailer Summer Market 2019 and had a hectic couple days checking out a whole bunch of new gear for 2020. And you guys are going to be privy to our debrief. These episodes are always fun to do and we've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. So I think we can just sort of dive right in. Luke, do you want to start us off with uh, with something you're interested in? Sure. Um well, we'll discuss this later, but sustainability was an overwhelming theme this year, I think. And one of the first brands I met with was Rumpel, who's famous for their puffy kind of camping blankets. And now, uh, I guess starting in spring 2020, all of their kind of puffy style blankets will have 100% post-consumer recycled content in the fill for the synthetic ones and the face fabric. Um, they're also coming out with a new version of the blanket that slots between like their classic traditional puffy, which is kind of like a stiffer, not all that light, but on the cheaper end, it's 99 bucks for the small side. And then they have a down version that's 200. And now they're making a new version with a synthetic fill that I think you and I were both impressed. It feels a lot like down. It's super soft, very light, packs down almost as small as their down blanket, but you don't have to worry about getting it wet. And it's uh, 150, I think, for the small size, um, which is pretty cool, I thought. Yeah, and the uh, the insulation there really reminded me actually of the same insulation that Patagonia uses on the Micropuff, yep. that Plumafil. Um, yeah. And Rumpel was saying it's the first insulation they've ever developed themselves. So mm. good on those guys. That insulation felt really nice. Yeah, yeah, I was very impressed. And then... On the kind of more fun side of things, they have a puffy poncho um, that I believe is made from the same insulation in their original puffy. Um, also some recycled content in there, but you and I were both like, we don't really know what we'd use this for, but it looks really cool. It's giant. It has a dedicated beer can pocket right front and center, so it's easy access. And it comes in some crazy prints. And best of all, they have a kid's version called the Grom Show, which I think wins product name of the show, at least from what I saw. Easy, (laughs) easy. Grom Show, amazing name for a poncho for kids. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that was cool. That was a nice way to start the morning. I'm going to start talking. I've got a few different things on my list that are just like crazy new wild tech that I did not expect to see at the show that sort of like blew my mind. Um, First is this new Gore-Tex base layer fabric they're calling Infinium Fibers, which is a collab they're doing with Under Armour in this base layer shirt that is 90% poly, 10% expanded polytetrafluoroethylene. EPTFE, yeah, it's a great (laughs) word. So EPTFE is the same material that Gore uses on their waterproof breathable membranes. Um, This is the same material used in uh, Event, and some of the some of the other membranes are EPTFE. For the most part, the the world is kind of moving away from this material. That's neither here nor there. But it is used in this base layer, basically blended in 
with the poly and you can see it in the base layer. It's crazy. There's like little white fibers. I'm holding it in my hands right now. There's like little white fibers in there that are the EPTFE mixed in with like the darker poly. And the idea of this is that the EPTFE is super hydrophobic. So it's not going to pick up as much water. And then also the idea is that it's not going to stick to your body the same way because EPTFE, it's the same stuff they use to make nonstick pans coatings, you know, stuff like that. It's really, it's really kind of slippery. So when it, when you get sweaty and wet, the idea is it's not going to stick to your skin the same way that other things, other base layers might. Um, it's crazy. I've never seen any technology, any, any material, any fabric quite like it. And I can't wait to go sweat crazy in it and see what, see what happens. Yeah. I'm interested to see what they do with it in the future. Cause right now, um, do you know, was that the only piece that had the technology? Yeah, the only piece. It's a limited release from Under Armour. It's sold out already. Like you can't even get it anymore. Um, and yeah, they're it's, it's brand new. They're just kind of figuring out what it's going to do. Gotcha. Yeah, because the one we have is very see-through. Yeah, I, I was going to wear it to the show today, but I decided to save everyone at the show for my nipples. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll be, I, I think it's cool to see Gore continuing to kind of branch out away from just waterproof breathables. We saw it when they introduced Infinium, like, I guess two years ago now. Um, they're like, oh, we're finally doing stuff that's not 100% waterproof. And turns out that opens up options to a lot of other product categories. Um, and it seems like people are kind of catching on to this. And um, I think you said there's new Windstopper varieties coming out, which could be cool, kind of move towards that more breathable end of the spectrum rather than just maximum protection all the time. Yeah, it's interesting. New Windstopper layups. Um, there's a bunch of different stuff. And honestly, a lot of it is kind of aesthetic. I don't think we have time to talk about all the different stuff here on this podcast because I was kind of overwhelmed by the amount of new stuff that Gore is doing right now. Um, but a lot of it, like the Windstopper layups, especially, they're all designed to kind of be able to use different face fabrics to get you know, new, new treatments, new kind of, whether it's a shiny metallic thing or like a printed out, like a whatever supreme, it might be. Supreme printed all over or, it. Or they, or they have a supreme printed cape, yeah. um, a full on cape. <laughs> it looks so cool. Definitely need to review it. <laughs> yeah, no, there, yeah, I was, I did not go into that Gore meeting with high expectations and I came out kind of blown away. Um, so keep your eyes to or your ears, eyes, whatever, Stay on blister to your thing. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be checking out a, a bunch more gore stuff in the in the coming the coming months. Sweet. Well, on the slightly less technical side, um, swung by Topo Designs booth. Um, they moved up to the main level, so they're on their their big, big name now. Big yeah, boys. Um, and they yeah, so they've expand continued to expand their line a lot. Um, they just like I mean, two years ago, they only had a handful of packs and apparel. They started their apparel line like I think like four years ago or something like that. Um, and it's gotten a lot bigger. And what I like about them is that they do a pretty cool job of combining some kind of techier materials and trims and all that, but with a much more kind of casual style. And their style is like a mix of modern and vintage, which I like. And the one piece that caught my eye was this new soft shell anorak, uh, as people might know, we love anoraks woo, woo. <laughs> and Jonathan's not here to tell us that they're stupid. Um, they're not stupid. And, yeah. So that, this one was just, it, it was in a white colorway. It's, it's a super soft, thin, soft shell material. It's got some stretch to it and it looks like it'd be a really comfy, like summer and then shoulder season layer, um, enough protection for like some wind or light precip and, but probably a lot more breathable than your typical wind shell. Um, and as anything Topo, it's got its unique little color 
flashes and just like the style of it a lot. And hopefully we'll check that out. And then they also, they kind of chose to expand on some of their proven items. They added a premium collection um, of some of their core packs and accessories that looks really cool. It's all black. It's got a lot of like ballistic nylon. It's got this cool coated ripstop fabric that almost feels like leather, but it's a little like smoother. Um, I don't know, designed to add water repellents, I think. But that looks cool. And then one of their original packs, the Rover, they're expanding that into its own line. Um, There's a standard Rover, which is just kind of a classic like everyday carry backpack. And then they have kind of like a next level up, uh, nicer zippers and trims and um, a few more pockets and stuff like that. And then they have a mini Rover, which looks like a super adorable backpack, either for kids or just people that like little backpacks. I think it'll, <laughs> it'll put a, it'll be good competition for that Fjall Raven backpack that everyone wears. Interesting. And that might be the first time I've ever heard you use the word adorable. <laughs> um, so yeah, save that you, for posterity. <laughs> yeah. You just need to you, go, go see that pack, if, especially if you put it on a small child, I think you'll say adorable. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I'm also talking about a pack next. Mystery Ranch has a bunch of cool stuff going on, but Probably the pack I'm most excited about from their new line is called the Skyline 23. It's an on-route climbing pack. So the idea is, you know, for your leader or for your second, probably most likely, um, to carry up, carry some food, some water, additional layers, shoes, things like that. But, um, you know, most of these ultralight or most of these on-route packs are being made ultralight. And Mystery Ranch is a full feature company through and through. And they kept that ethos for this pack, which I really appreciate. So it's not ultralight. It's pretty burly, fully featured. And it has a really, really cool system where you can just yank open the lid. It's on these quick pull zippers. Just yank open the lid and there's a little loop under the lid and you can hang it right off of your anchor. It's going to hang flat against the, the wall, like open, like full, full open. So you can do all your crap, put stuff in and out, like not worry about dropping packs or whatever. Like, cause I'm always clipping stuff into anchors and whatever, and like unzipping and zipping and trying to make sure you're not dropping crap. And, uh, Really psyched to try out to try out this this new system. I think our audio engineer Luke Alley is nodding his head like sounds sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be sick. <laughs> yeah, that like that pack opening before I'd even seen it in person. You showed me the picture. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Like it just flips open, lays flat against the wall, and I I haven't seen another pack that uses a similar system. And I'm kind of surprised it's taken that long, but it looks really smart. Yeah, it makes so much sense. I am I'm psyched to try it out. Yeah, yeah, cool. Back to less technical stuff, spent some time at the Sunski booth. And we've both been, I think, really impressed by the quality, especially for the price of their sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Um, They're coming in significantly cheaper than a lot of the major brands. A lot of their frames are like $60 to $70. Um, And the really cool thing, by 2020, all of their frames are going to be made from recycled materials, which is awesome um, to see that across the entire line. And then they also added like what they're calling premium, a premium line, which is starting with a couple frames and they're still only $89, but they've got um, kind of like, I don't how would you describe them? More luxurious look or? Yeah. I mean, there's like some metal accents. There's like multi, multi-material frames, just things that cost a little bit more to manufacture, mm-hmm. but they look freaking rad. Yeah. Like the quality of craftsmanship and the the overall design like i'm 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 all in mm-hmm. i think i really 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 am into it yeah and also like their standard frames a lot of them are crazy light 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're eager to try some out and they have some like sport oriented ones, more wraparound style with like silicone on the nose. Um, and then also just straight up casual, but it was, yeah, they have, they have a really cool line and a really cool sustainability story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny to talk about the lightness. Um, they were saying that that's because of the plastic they're actually using for the recycling. So they're, this plastic is coming from a medical device facility it's just kind of the scraps and leftovers that would get tossed out and they're taking it, turning it into these, into these frames and the plastic's a lot stronger than a lot of stuff that's out there. So they're making some of their new frames are super, super thin, flexible. Um, they look really durable. We're going to get in, in into some more frames here and hopefully some of those thin, flexible ones and just like really beat them up. But for a $70 pair of sunglasses, polarized lenses, recycled plastic frames, pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's a sweet deal. I'm going to talk about Patagonia Storm Racer shell. So they redesigned their Storm Racer and the new design is super weird and wild and it looks really cool. I'm not an ultra runner. This is not really my thing, but I saw this jacket and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Crazy. Um, Claiming a weight of seven ounces, about 200 grams. um, This jacket is their ultralight rain shell for active pursuits. They ditched a front and center zipper and there's kind of two zippers now on, on on the jacket that originate from the the collar and then go diagonal out. One of the zippers goes all the way down or almost all the way down to open the jacket fully. The other zipper stops about halfway. So you've got kind of this like trapezoidal shape that opens up in the front of your chest when you unzip the zippers. And that allows you access to your water bottles and your food in Patagonia's like integrated running vest. So the idea is that you're wearing your vest, you're running your 150 miles or whatever, 150 miles. <laughs> 100 or 50 maybe. And you can access your water super easy. You can vent really easy by opening up this whole front panel and the extra fabric tucks into a little pocket that's inside at this really, really lightweight and kind of a crazy design that we haven't really seen in anywhere else. Looks cool. Yeah, yeah. I think as we mentioned um, in our write-up on the site, um, which you can check out for a picture of that jacket, but Patagonia is not really one to like take that approach where like they're completely changing an entire silhouette and it yeah it's just kind of curious to see them do that and we're hopefully going to get that jacket on um one of our reviewers and see what they think because i mean in theory it sounds awesome i'm just i'm very curious to see what the kind of real life experience is like using that kind of opening and closure and i don't know I don't know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Um, expectations are high, so pressure's on Patagonia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On another kind of odd, not seen before note, um, Rab was showing off this sleeping bag called the Mythic Ultra, I believe. Yep. Um, the 180 and the 360. And, well, why don't, why don't you describe the fabric technology going on there? Yeah, so this, like, if the Infinium Fibers base layer Under Armour was like one of the most surprising technology things we saw. The Mythic Ultra from Rab is by far the coolest one. This is like crazy what they're doing. Um, the liner of the sleeping bag is sort of, if you're familiar with like Columbia Omnitech, basically what they do is they print on a reflective metal printing to capture more radiative heat. So, you know, we lose heat by three different mechanisms, conduction, convection, and radiation. And most of our garments do very, very little to hold in radiative heat. Um, like a space blanket, for instance, is an example of something that only protects from radiant heat loss. So you put on that space blanket, it's just reflecting your heat back at you. And that's why it can be super thin and light, but still be pretty warm. 
Rab has taken that idea. They've, they didn't want to do printed linings or anything like that. Those are, they add weight and they're also kind of bad for the environment. They break down, they have all these adhesives, various things. There's a lot of reasons why doing like coatings and prints aren't necessarily a good thing. So what they did instead is they, they, do, they have a woven nylon liner and each individual fiber of nylon in the liner is coated with titanium. And they do this in a chemical or a vapor deposition process. Every nylon fiber is coated 360 degrees with titanium, actual titanium. <laughs> <laughs> not, not tetanol, not which is tetanol, actually aluminum. Not tetanol, <laughs> yeah. actual titanium. And, um, and the resultant fabric they weave out of this is highly reflective of radiant heat. So they've basically made these sleeping bags that they're claiming are the lightest in the world at their respective warmths. For a 32 degree bag, it comes in at 400 grams, which is crazy light. And the really interesting part is that the way that we test sleeping bag heat ratings, the EN test doesn't account for radiative heat loss. So that 32 degree bag that's already like the lightest 32 degree bag on the market is they're claiming seven to 11 degrees warmer in the field because of that radiative heat retention given by the liner. So you can, theoretically, you're looking at a 32 degree bag that's actually like a 25, 20 degree bag at 400 grams. Yeah, it's insane. They like just feeling, um, it, it's cliche, but it felt like you were holding nothing. And I think the key for me was that like that, inner lining fabric it doesn't feel like super sticky or clammy like i've spent i spent one night in a emergency space blanket thing it's like the worst night's sleep not only <laughs> because i was still pretty cold but it just clings to everything yeah. and it's so uncomfortable but the the fabric they have on the inside of those sleeping bags just feels nice and it feels like a normal sleeping bag and if it lives up to what they're claiming about it it'll be extremely impressive yeah yeah just so we tie that up well there's also a 20 degree version of the bag mm -hmm. that's about 600 grams yeah um, if you want a little little warmer mm -hmm. a warmer version um, next product i want to talk about is a rain shell from mountain hardware they're calling the exposure 2. it's one of many products in sort of this lightweight rain protection category that's adopting a new gore-tex fabric for next year called pack light plus um, if you've ever read a review of pack light on blister you know that we kind of hate it it does its job but in the world of two and a half layer fabrics it's overpriced and doesn't feel very good against the skin if like i don't think there's a pack light jacket that i would recommend um, as is so we were really really psyched to see a new iteration of pack light that is lighter we're looking at thinner materials a thinner scrim and feels a lot better on the skin the scrim feels sort of like in between a two and a half layer and a three layer knit scrim. It's really, it's, it's not, it's not extremely soft, but it's much, much better on the skin than regular pack light. Um, coming in at similar price points and a little bit lighter weight, these new rain pieces look really interesting. And Mountain Hardware has one in this exposure too that looks cool. Rab's using it. There's a couple other companies that are integrating it across the line and psyched to see the inevitable death of gore pack light. <laughs> yeah yeah i have never been a fan of pack light regular pack light and feeling that mountain hardware shell it definitely feels a lot more comfortable it seemed to me like they basically took the lining fabric and added kind of texture to it mm -hmm. um, which is kind of similar to what mountain hardware did with their proprietary waterproof fabric several years ago um, but this pack light plus feels even better, I think, than that old two and a half layer layup. So yeah, we're, we're excited to get into it. Um, 
it would be very nice if, well, it would just be cool to see Gore-Tex actually set itself apart in the two and a half layer category because yep. Packlight always seemed like kind of a joke almost. <laughs> it's just like, why buy this when you can get it for half the price from someone else and it's equally comfortable. So now it seems like they might set themselves apart some more and hopefully we get in those pieces soon. Yeah, Gore making moves. Yeah. Cool. So from Black Diamond, we saw a few new things. Um, they have a new gym harness or like kind of sport climbing harness ultralight that apparently Adam Andra is going to use in the Olympics. Um, <laughs> they have a whole new line of approach shoes, which look pretty cool. Kind of use the same engineered knit um, upper as their climbing shoes. And then I think probably the biggest announcement for them was the introduction of the Z4 cams, um, which will replace the uh, C3s and the X4s, if I'm correct. Yeah, there's a lot of Zs and Xs and yeah. numbers and crap in there. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing algebra. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of crazy news. Um, from someone who track climbs a lot, consolidating the C3 and X4 into a single cam, this new Z4 has kind of, kind of surprised me. You know, the C3 was sort of their real small tri-camming unit designed to fit into real small places. And the X4 was sort of their ultra, their like ultra flexible Metolius Mastercam um, competitor, which also was a smaller cam, but didn't go quite down as small as the C3s. The new Z4s go all the way down to a zero. So I believe it goes from 0.5 down to zero. And the zero, the 0.1 and the 0.2 are all single axle. I'm remembering correctly, and the other ones are double axle. Instead of having the like little metal metal rings that protected the stem on the X4, that's been replaced with a sort of a twisted double strand of metal surrounded by a little like plastic. I don't know really how to even describe it. It's collar of some yeah, sort. Yeah. Um, you can see we'll we'll post some pictures in the show notes. The action on the cams felt really good. I was surprised. They're really twisty. So when, you, when you're pulling the trigger, you're pulling kind of straight back, so it's not really a problem. But as soon as they're in a crack, like the, the stem is really free to twist, which I think is, is good because, you know, a flexible stem is one thing, but I've never really felt a cam that twisted like that. And a lot of, a lot of times when, you're, when your rope is kind of pulling on, on a cam, you know, whatever is happening, that twisting action, I imagine, might eliminate walking and things like yeah. that. So. I'm kind of excited to try them out. I think they look really cool. And Black Diamond obviously must have a lot of confidence in them if they're taking out their relatively new X4 cam. I mean, that, that cam was only around for a few years. And taking out the C3, which has been around for for quite a while, I'm going to replace it with this. So um, we're psyched. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they, they also have, they're available in offsets too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. We've seen in a matter of two or three years, Black Diamond overhaul its entire cam line. Which is crazy because like people swear by those cams. Like, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a slippery slope because there's the cams started out so good. Uh -huh. um, but this is a new kind of idea, something that we haven't really seen in the market in other places, and um, very interested to try it out. Yeah. All right. Last serious product is one that we don't really know how to pronounce. All right. How about you pronounce it, then I'll pronounce All it. Right. Then you pronounce it, then I'll. Pronounce it. I think it's called Sayola shoes. 
What do you think it is? I would say like Saula. Okay. Well, we checked their website and they basically told us we can pronounce it however we want. So I'm just going to keep calling it that. Um, anyways, they are another brand with a really cool sustainability story. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So um, those of you who are Gear 30 diehards might remember the diatribe I went on about this sole shoe that we have been getting time in, uh, this Jasper Chukka. That's a collaboration with United by Blue that Soul is doing that is a crazy sustainable shoe. And what they're doing at Saola, 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 whatever you want to pronounce it, is sort of a similar thing. They're taking each one of the individual materials in the shoe and making it from some level of sustainable material. And I'm a huge fan of this trend. Great, and it's great to see that, but we're not seeing that in shoes. We're seeing that in apparel. Mm -hmm. And... um I stumbled across this brand. I never heard of them at, 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 at the show, just stumbled across their booth and the silhouettes are really cool. They are doing knit some knit uppers, some vegan leather options that are made out of recycled re recycled plastics. Um, they have some, just the silhouettes look modern and cool. They're lightweight. Um, and yeah, we're really psyched to get out in them. I, I think, I think it's, it's going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, they kind of stuck with some proven silhouettes, like you have just classic sneaker ones. And then also, some, like I like their Chaka a lot. I think mm -hmm. that one looks really cool. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as you mentioned, they use uh, like a engineered knit on a bunch of them. And I think this, the aesthetics overall are really cool. And the fact that they're also made or making an effort to make them sustainably is a cool trend. And I guess while we're talking about that, one of the major trends I noticed is that every single meeting sustainability was brought up to a certain degree. Oh yeah. It got really old after a while. Yeah. It's something I really want. And it was like, God, just stop saying it. Yeah. I'm like, I, I like, I like this, but you're kind of ruining it for me. <laughs> but jokes aside, like we're very excited that other, all like basically every brand we talk to is making some effort in this regard. You have kind of like leaders that have been doing it forever, like Patagonia, Toad and Co, Sunski. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was just kind of, maybe maybe it's been the same in the past but this year it just stood out to me like every single product is like and this is made with organic cotton or some recycled plastic or something like that so at least the industry seems to be going in the right direction yeah slowly. no it's refreshing to see and the the outdoor industry is gaining more and more you know influence over over you know apparel industries as a whole and the more and more that we see the change here i think we can we can count on that change trickling out to the to the other bigger suppliers and that's overall a, a real positive thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, as annoying as, as it did get to hear that word, <laughs> I am, I'm psyched. <laughs> cool. Do we want to talk about some, uh, some trends, some trends that we some noticed throughout trends? the show? Yeah. yeah. Do, do, do you want to start? Yeah. Let's go with the fact that uh, I think there are approximately a million water bottle companies at the show. Uh, yeah. A million sounds Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think right. like 50% of the floor space. Um, <laughs> so I don't, other than the trend that water bottles are getting more or more popular, uh, I don't know what else to say about it, but there are a lot of them to choose from now. I, I, I would like to say that, yes, using water bottles is environmentally sound, but the most environmentally sound water bottle is the one you already have at your house. Yeah. Um, so yeah, buying new things in general, regardless of how sustainable they are, is... Um, I mean, what? Reduce, re reuse, recycle, right? Yeah. In that order. So. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> 
I'll talk about a trend. This is actually, I'm going to retouch on sustainability briefly because I look <laughs> <Great. laughs> at, yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking at my notes, we actually, I actually talked with um, Marine Layer, which is a company that does some, uh, it's mostly casual apparel, a lot of organic cotton, sustainable stuff, <laughs> but they're doing a really cool program on their t-shirts, a full closed loop recycling program with their t-shirts where you can send in your old t-shirts. They'll send you a mailing, a prepaid mailing slip send in old t-shirts, no matter the make or fabric content, whatever. Um, and then they use those t-shirts in conjunction with some of their other recycled material to make recycled tees that are 52% recycled cotton, 52% recycled cotton, 48% recycled PET. Um, part of that PET comes from fishing nets. Part of it comes from plastic bottles, et cetera. And all the cotton comes from recycled tees. That's, so, yeah, that's super cool. Especially because like, I think the main issue for a lot of people, including myself, when it comes to trying to recycle, especially apparel, is like, as much as I'd like to think I would, I don't think I'm going to go pay for a package, go to the post office and ship something somewhere. So the fact that they'll send you a prepaid package and you can just get it to them and trust that they're going to actually recycle it is pretty amazing. Because, I mean, the amount of waste specifically just from apparel every year is absurd. So mm -hmm. I think like between them, like for t-shirts, that's awesome. And then like Patagonia's war and wear program, if people can, and I think actually Arcteryx just started another program similar to it. Oh, so I, yeah, I think the more companies that will do that, I think that'll make a big impact. Um, because yeah, I mean, we all own a bunch of stuff and it eventually fails or you'd need to replace it. So having a, an outlet to do that in a slightly more sustainable way is awesome. Yeah, and it's crazy. They, um, the the guy was saying they started this program in November of last year, and to this to like up to now, they've gotten a hundred thousand t-shirts back. Like, yeah. that's crazy. Um, that's a lot of material. So, yeah. um, I think I, that's that's a cool program. And we, we've seen other programs. Um, you know, Soul has this recork program. Mm -hmm. You send in, send in your old wine corks; they'll get turned into midsoles of shoes and yep. all sorts of cool stuff. So. More sustainability. Yep. <laughs> Sweet. Probably the product that I most wanted to steal, and turns out there were several options to choose from, uh, were these giant stand-up paddle boards. And when I say giant, I mean like, <laughs> well, I think one is designed to fit like 10 or 12 people or something like that. You may have seen, um, there's been a few videos of people trying to surf on them with like a group of 10 people. It's usually pretty hilarious. Um, but there were a surprising number of companies debuting these enormous paddle boards and i think blister needs one <laughs> if for nothing else to like let loose on some of the less less steep runs on crested yeah and just yeah see, see what happens. <laughs> or just go down international and pray <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the product i most wanted to steal was actually a product they were giving out for free you just had to wait in a ridiculously long line tin cup hired a like full-on old-timey photographer but that's not like official title uh, yeah that's, that's, what, that's what i'm gonna go with but not not like this like mall shtick where they take your picture and they just put like sepia over it this dude was taking pictures on like a vintage 1800s camera on silver plate and like developing it in in the store or in, in the booth and they looked so freaking rad yeah each pick took about 10 minutes to do start to finish and um the line, I, I never saw the line under like two or three hours. Yeah. And I unfortunately didn't have time to wait in that line, but it would have been real cool to get one of those shots. Yeah, those pictures looked awesome. So next weird thing was a booth that took me about five minutes to figure out what it was. Um, it was very colorful. There was ice cream. <laughs> um, 
and I don't really know how to describe it. It basically looked like a really modern ice cream parlor, parlor and it turns out it was for FlexFit, the hat company. Yeah, and they had all these FlexFit hats in there and like ice cream colors, Yeah, you know, like like pale pinks and greens and blues and whites and it like, I literally looked like an ice cream shop. Yeah. It was amazing. I can't tell if it was excellent marketing, maybe because we're talking about it or terrible because it took me so long to figure <laughs> it out, but I guess either way we're talking about it. So good on you, FlexFit. Yeah, no, that was, that was pretty weird. Um, the weirdest thing I saw at the show though definitely was this one booth that's kind of like walled in about three feet high and it was for some like recycling company that takes plastic bottles and turns them into other stuff. I don't know. But the way they had it, the whole booth was filled up like two feet deep of used plastic bottles. And then there was just a woman in there standing like knee deep in trash, essentially, for the entire show, talking to people on the outside of the booth. And I just like every time I walked past that booth, I was like, man, I feel really bad for that. Yeah, woman. I mean, we complain a lot about like how tired and sore we are. But like, <laughs> I think she... She put in the work for yeah. sure. <laughs> we didn't spend eight hours knee deep in trash. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that bad. Um, for the entire show, I've actually been A, being socks. Testing, testing all the time. Testing, always <laughs> testing. Even when we're doing other work, we're testing. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Today, I was A, being on one foot a wigwam sock, on the other foot a sock from Labent. Am, am I saying that right? Labent. Yeah. Labent. Yeah, my French is not great. <laughs> and... Uh, Verdict is that both socks are pretty good. A little bit more cushion on the Labent. I thought the Wigwam had a little bit better hold on my foot, but both feet are feeling surprisingly good after a whole day on the show floor. So good on both you guys. And Nice. Um, my feet feel terrible, but I also wore brand new shoes today. So I think that's ooh, on me. Huge mistake. <laughs> huge mistake. Yeah. Cool. Well, another OR in the books. We'll have links in the show notes for a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, or pictures at least. Yep, and we'll have a full write-up also. Um, so we'll have a lot of this in writing and more photos on there. So definitely check out the site for more info. There you go. Well, uh, until, until next OR. Cool. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying these episodes, we'd very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or review in iTunes. And also, spread the word to your gearhead friends. Thanks, everybody. Be safe out there, and we'll talk to you again next week.